s'il vous plaît, s'il vous plaît. Merci. S'il vous plaît, mesdames et messieurs, un petit peu de silence. Merci. Merci. Welcome to Deep Dives, where we look at some of the most spectacular moments in tennis history. Today, we're going to look at the historical triumph of Andres Gomez at Roland Garros in 1990. The place is Paris, France. Andres Gomez has been here before. This is his 11th main draw appearance at the French Open. He's been to the quarters three times. He's been to the round of 16 twice. He's never been able to get past that point at a Grand Slam in his career. And yet, even though he's 30 years of age, there's something that feels different about this season for Andres Gomez. Because, no, actually, from the whole year beginning in 89. I mean, it took me... Uh, if we put together uh, 89, June 89 to, uh, to uh, June 90, you know, I won six tournaments. And that's, that's, uh, that's a pretty good number. Five, to- five tournaments and a Grand Slam wasn't bad. And, and, and people still forget. On, in, on top of those, I, I won like five doubles titles. So. <laughs> it's true. Gomez was red hot in 1990, and in fact, he had a brilliant career. 21 singles titles, 34 doubles titles. He won 531 matches in singles and reached a career-high ranking of four in the world. But the slams, until 1990, they weren't really his thing. Let's get one thing straight here. Andres Gomez is red hot coming into Paris. I'm going to tell you something about the story of his title in 1990 in Paris, but I don't want you to make the whole story about this one thing. Yvonne Lendl wasn't at that tournament, and Lendl is the guy who gave Gomez all kinds of trouble, including beating him four times in Roland Garros, 
three of which came in the quarterfinals. So it was a great weight off of Gomez's shoulders being in Paris and having the opportunity to not worry about Lendl. That and the fact that he was playing well, opportunity was knocking, there were some upsets early in the draw. Maybe it could be Gomez's time. He believed that that was going to be his his year. He had a great uh, season, clay court season. He won Barcelona, he won Madrid. He made, made semis of uh, the Italian Open Rome, uh, where he had a match points against Muster. But I remember that he lost in Rome, and he said, "Well, it doesn't matter because usually the one that that w- it's tough for players to win uh, Rome and the French at that time. It was like very few players had done it. So he says maybe it's better, uh, and I have a little bit less pressure for the French because." He was winning everything before the French. So he, uh, maybe he lost that match, was like a little bit less, less pressure. Those are some insights from Raul Viver, who's the current Davis Cup captain of Ecuador and a childhood friend of Gomez. Actually played together as youths, traveled to Florida together, and guess who they practiced under? The legendary Harry Hopman. How cool is that to have tennis history weaving its way into this tale of Gomez 1990 at Roland Garros. And we'll talk more about Hopman later and how he helped and mentored Gomez. But first, let's talk about Gomez at Roland Garros. He crushes Tomas Muster in the semis, and he's thinking, why not me? Only problem is, everybody else is thinking, why not Andre Agassi? I mean, we knew he was one of the best clay quarters, but it just seemed... I mean, everything that had gone on with Agassi in 88 and 89 with the semis of the U.S. Open, he was so good already by 18. And here he is now, a couple of years later, seemingly really, ha- and having been in the semis of the French two years earlier, losing to Vlander. I mean, you know, he was, he was, Agassi seemed like he was really uh, prime for it. That is the voice of tennis Hall of Fame journalist Steve Flink who was there in 1990. Back in Ecuador, a 13-year-old was getting ready to huddle around his TV to watch this final. His name was Nicolas Lapente, the nephew of Andres Gomez, who would later go on to have a great tennis career in his own right, reaching ATP ranking of number six. He remembers Andres Gomez was so hot going into this event, but he also remembers... Everybody was hyping Andre Agassi. So he he was coming strong. He was coming strong. And uh, we knew his opportunities, but, you know, to win the French Open was really crazy. He was 30 already. At that time, 30 was old for a tennis player. And uh, so it, it was really crazy. Like you said, a lot of people thought Andre Agassi would win. Uh, because of the name of the, he was younger, he was coming strong. He was uh, getting into the world tennis like a tornado, you know, with all the fame and the new looks and everything. Uh, but, uh, yeah, what Andres did, it was, uh, it was really amazing. You know, there's so many things about this triumph of Andres Gomez in 1990 that I find intriguing, that I get inspired by. There are a lot of elements. Probably the most important one is the fact Gomez was from Ecuador, a country that, at the time, only had about 10 million people in it. 
Nobody had ever achieved this type of athletic feat before. Nobody had won a Grand Slam. They hadn't won a World Cup. This was really uncharted waters from an athlete from Ecuador. Yes, they did have Pancho Segura, and he was a great player in his own right, but he came a lot, long way before Gomez did, and he never did win a Grand Slam. And there are reasons for that, and that's probably my cue to bring back tennis historian Steve Flink and let us be enlightened a little bit about Segura. I'm sure that it was celebrated a different way. Segura left so young. He grew up there, but then he came and he played college tennis, and he really was sort of lived most of his life in, in America, and they appreciated his heritage over there, and they appreciated him, but he also played in obscurity because uh, he turned pro, and and most of his best tennis was in the pro years, you know, going from into these gymnasiums, you know, with no ceilings, and, you know, some some heralded settings but not that many and and uh so he'd never he never got his due uh and and they 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 were aware of him but this was different this is now now we're talking about you know uh, 22 years after the after open tennis and the 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 popularity of the game the the game had really blossomed and flourished in the in the uh, 70s and 80s and he's on, he's coming right there at the start of the 90s and putting himself on the map and putting Ecuador on the map. So I, it, to me, it was, it was, you could almost say it was a singular happening. You know, as we celebrate the 30-year anniversary of this remarkable title, it's interesting. People are still talking about Gomez as potentially the best athlete that Ecuador has ever seen. And that's pretty remarkable. And that shows how big this Roland Garros title was for his legacy. For me, well, I, I'm a ten, uh, I've been a tennis player. I'm a tennis coach for me. And I know how difficult it is to to do what he did. And not only the French, but his whole career, two, two Italian Opens, two, two slams in doubles. Uh, so I, I think... To me, Andres is a, the best uh, athlete, Ecuadorian athlete of all time. But you know, there's always a, in Ecuador there, there is a we have an Olympic gold medalist and a few other athletes that that have accomplished uh, impressive uh, things. You know, but I, but I would uh, I would go with Andres as a as the biggest. Uh, That was Raul Viver again, talking about his childhood friend and later Davis Cup co-captain and colleague on the ATP Tour. Pretty high praise right there. And he's not the only one that thinks that Andres could be or is the greatest Ecuadorian athlete ever. You know, it's one of those questions we'll never really truly be able to answer, but nevertheless, it tells us what we need to know about the magnitude of Gomez as an athlete, the importance of this title at Roland Garros, but also just how good of a career he had and how good of an athlete he was. As his nephew, Nicholas Lepenti, tells it, Gomez was pretty good at all sports. My my father tells me that Andres was an unbelievable athlete. You know, he was awesome in tennis. He was awesome in basketball. 
Uh, he tells me that one of the greatest goals he has seen score there it was one of Andres one time, you know, in soccer. So, uh, so we, we, we grew up looking up, up at him. I think he was, a, he was always very talented uh, for every sport. Uh, he was, was always among the best in soccer, basketball. He, he was a very uh, good uh, surfboarder. He used to surf a lot. Uh, every sport he he made, he was a, it just came natural to him. And tennis, uh, he was always very talented. He had that big forehand. Uh, he was always good at the net. He was a in, since a very early age. He was very good in doubles. He had you know like like the natural instincts, and he was strong, like naturally strong. And I think he was very talented always, and, and everybody knew it here. But but for, from being a talented uh, young kid from Ecuador, from Guayaquil, to to winning the French Open, I think very few people would have would have imagined that. Okay, so talent had a lot to do with it, no doubt about it. Gomez was an amazing athlete, an amazing tennis player, but there had to be more to it for him to do what he did in 1990, past the age of 30. In open-era history, only four men have won their maiden major title beyond the age of 30. So how did Gomez do it? I mean, now, you know, it's funny is now 30 is nothing. 30 is like 23, 24. But 30 then felt like 35 because a lot of guys then, that's when, you know, all of a sudden, she's, you know, guys would start to stop or, you know, that was the downside of your career. That's former world number four Brad Gilbert, who spent a lot of time with Gomez on the tour. He makes a good point about just how difficult it was at the time for players age 30 or above to do significant damage at the majors. It just wasn't happening back then. Here's Steve Flink on the subject. At that time, 30 was a bigger deal than it, a much bigger deal than it is now. So you, you, at that time, you're thinking this is, is going to be his one and only chance in a major final. And so, yes, it was, it, 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 it changed my perception. I mean, I was impressed and uh, I mean, I was happy. Above all, you had to be happy for him because he was a, he was a top of the line professional. One of the most often overlooked characteristics of -of top-of-the-line professionals is decision-making. And when I refer to decision-making, I'm not referring to decisions made on the court. I'm referring to the decisions made off the court that can often be so critical. And in this case, a decision that Gomez made about the Davis Cup in 1988 was critical to his performance in 1990. He had been under pressure to play for Ecuador for so many years, but in 1988, something happened and made him draw the line. I'll let him tell the story. And, and, I, and I was going through some changes. I just a couple of months earlier, I, I became a father, and then uh, um, uh, 
I lost to Martin Hyde in five sets, and kind of like people start, you know, the people meaning press was starting to say, well, you know, uh, maybe your best years are are gone, and um, and uh, you're thinking about retirement, or uh, and I said, well, no, but uh, but I think that since you're suggesting I should retire, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to take a break and from Davis Cup. And, uh, and get some of the pressure and trying to, to, to get back, you know, next year and see what happens. So next year was 89 and I didn't play. And, um, and, uh, and, and I concent- started concentrating a little more into, into, into myself. Uh, as much as I like playing for Ecuador, I needed to, to give time to myself. You know, even there was three weeks of, of the year or three and a half, you know, like, uh, uh, one month of the year to, to, to Davis Cup because usually we had to play two rounds before and then one more round and uh, um, it was it was taking you know it was putting too much pressure on me and uh, uh, and I needed to I needed to, to to have that off so that was a good opportunity to to me to to say okay I'm gonna take off but just because you're telling me to take off. <laughs> so that, so I put, I put some of the, not the blame, but I put some of the, uh, uh, I'm going to follow your, your advice. You know, I'm going to, and, 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 and the people at, at first, you know, didn't know what, what I was really talking about. And then I say, well, I'm going to take a year, year or two years off from Davis Cup. So here comes Andres Gomez strutting into Paris with confidence. More confidence than he had had in years, and when he was relaxed and when he was confident, he was simply one of the greatest clay court players out there. He had a 31-11 and lifetime record at Roland Garros. That pretty much speaks for itself. He had 329 career wins on clay, an over 70% winning percentage on the surface. When Andres Gomez was playing his best on clay, he was one of the best. No doubt about it. Here's Nicholas Lapente talking about what made Andres Gomez's game so special. So he had this serve that was not that powerful, but uh, he would put it where, wherever he wanted. Uh, and then, and then he has the, he had this game where he had a lot of variations. You know, he would go to the net, he would serve and volley. Uh, not the best uh, volley technique, but great hands. And then, uh, and then from the baseline, he would have this heavy forehand. And then with the backhand, he he could he could use a slice. He could hit it all over, he over the ball with spin. I mean, he had a lot all around game. And and and, and he won tournaments in, in hard courts. He won tournaments on clay courts. So he was a great doubles player. He was he was an all arounder, hundred percent. And that forehand of Gomez's, look out. Yeah, I mean, he had a heavy forehand, a lot of spin for that time. Um, courts did the balls didn't jump as much off the court as they did today, but I can only imagine him playing with poly strings now, and his forehand would be a lot of problems to deal with. He he had he had the whole country, the whole country hitting forehands with this uh, very heavy Western grip. <laughs> he had the whole the whole kids of my generations. We were all hitting the forehand like he did. It was that booming forehand that closed the books on Andre Agassi in Paris. 
Gomez crushed it down the line, raised his arms in celebration, and the crowd went wild. Gomez's nephew, Nicholas Lepente, knows exactly where he was at that moment. It was amazing. I mean, we were all crying, jumping, hugging. Uh, it was crazy, you know, as a 13-year-old kid that loved tennis, uh, to, to watch a, a fellow countryman uh, do something like that. And, uh, and I think also at the, at the same time, uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize how important uh, or, or how difficult to win Roland Garros is. And then after a few years, when I was, way, when I was able to go there and see and play and prove it myself, you know, I, 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 can, I can say that, uh, that to win Roland Garros is even more and more, more special than what I thought when I was 13. Here's a really cool part of the story. While Lapente was at home in Guayaquil watching the final, Andres Gomez's oldest son, Juan Andres, who was then two and a half years old, was at Roland Garros. There's a whole crazy thing that happens after the match where Gomez comes out through the tunnel and emerges with his son in his arms as he goes to hug his wife, Anna, and the team is going crazy, and Bud Collins is up there trying to get interviews. It's... uh. Well, we'll get into it a little more as we go on. But first, I want to hear from Juan Andres because I was really curious to know and to hear how he interpreted this event. Here's his take. Well, uh, it was an amazing moment. I watched this video a couple of weeks ago, and then I got really emotional. Every time I watch that video, it's just it's nuts. Just the way my dad played it was amazing just really aggressive and then uh just super proud just it's what he did for the country and for himself is just really special and then we definitely cherish that victory and um we're super proud we're super proud of him he definitely did a, an amazing job it was a, it was a, it's a great memory. And then to me, to be there, it's just, it's just nuts. It's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember anything at all because I was like two years old, but <laughs> I'll bet it was like an, a crazy experience just to be there. And then I know he was, he was with my mom and with some friends and just, Oh my God, just the emotions are next level. I'm just, I'm just super grateful what he did and then so happy for him and so, so happy for, for Ecuador. Clip, bud. Well, I'm here with Ana Maria Gomez. She's been weeping. She's ecstatic. I don't know if we can get her. She's hugging Antonio Gomez, his brother. And here comes the baby. Here's Juan, the baby, in Andre's arms. A beautiful blue-eyed child. Andres. Well, we've never seen this before. Father and baby come up. And, they're gonna leave. and there you have it. And that's why this story is so cool, because it's not just about Andres Gomez playing out of his skull and winning Roland Garros in 1990. It's a story about humanity, 
about family, about country. And uh, all of it is just like gives you the warm and fuzzies. But I had to ask, and I was wondering, so I did ask, how does Andres Gomez go from the court through the tunnel and suddenly end up with his son in his arms? The nursery where they had the, the, the kids at the time, it was very next to the to the um, to the um, to the to the stairs that took you to the players' box. Uh, so uh, I guess when uh, when when the uh, you know the the person that was taking care of Juan uh, saw me running to the stairs, she went out and she was waiting there for me with Juan. So she handed me Juan to. Uh, to, uh, to, uh, and, and, and I just took him and just went straight to the box. And uh, so it's, it's not that I went looking for him. It's kind of like uh, he, he came looking for me. And uh, so that was a great move by her because uh, that was, uh, that, that was uh, you know, a, a very nice moment for, uh, uh, for a player and a very nice moment for, uh, for a family. Very funny part of this story. If you watched the broadcast of the 1990 Roland Garros final on NBC, you would have noticed the cameras kept pointing to a woman in the front row of Gomez's box and saying that that was Gomez's wife, Ana Maria. Turns out they had the wrong girl. Ana Maria had duped the NBC crew. And my wife, um, who she told Bud Collins' uh, cameraman, when came on that uh, and asking uh, who was uh, Mrs. Gomez, she, she she signed a good friend of ours that was that on the front row. <laughs> so she she didn't want to be on the TV and uh, she wanted to be she wanted to be hiding and uh, and it's not until the last you know when 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 Bud goes to to interview uh, you know some of the people there that she knows oh this this is the real Miss Gomez. <laughs> So that was a uh, that was a moment. That was a, a good good fun, and uh, and uh, they just kept showing this this lady. And said, what what they saying? This is uh, this is Mrs. Gomez. It's not no, it's not Mrs. Gomez. Especially here, the people that knew her. Anna Maria, I'm, can we stand up, please? <laughs> <laughs> Ana Maria, congratulations. Thank you. Muchas gracias. And here's the boy. Yeah, my baby. What a wonderful moment. Yeah. Did you think it would ever happen? No. No. No, no. Andres is playing so well, you know. You never know with Andres. You never know. You never know. Well, now you yeah. know. He's yeah. the of France. And enjoy it, senora. Enjoy it. Okay, Dick. And it's nice to know, Bud, we finally see the real Mrs. Gomez, Anna Maria, who is hidden in the crowd. Anna Maria may have been a little bit camera shy, but let's make no mistake about it. She was a big part of Gomez's career. She was also a pretty good psychologist and a pretty good motivator. Let's have Gomez tell us a little bit more about what his wife meant to him while he was on the tour. I was very competitive. But I wasn't really the kind that, you know, that I needed to, to have always somebody, you know, uh, getting me, pushing me to, 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 to do things. And, uh, and, uh, and she knew how to do it. Uh, you know, she, she knew how to, uh, to, to get me uh, in, in, into the mood of, uh, you know, uh, you can get this, but uh, you need to do uh, 
a little more scenes or a Oh, this other guy, you know, he's, he's, he's beat you the last two times and, uh, you know, it's going to be hard. She, she wanted to, to, to always, try, she was use some sort of psychology to try to, to get me psyched up to, uh, to play my matches. And, uh, and, um, and that's, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, when, when you're on the road or, or when I'm in, uh, you know, practicing in Florida where we lived and, you know, there wasn't too many people around us. It was always... Uh, but it was always this, the, the, it was my work and, and, and my work, although uh, it was left on the court, you know, always you, you needed to, to try to, to do things as a, as a pro outside. You know, that didn't mean, what, you know, we, we, we like it, you know, go dancing, going out. Uh, we, we like doing things to that. So, um, um, uh, of course, you, you're young. And uh, you you want to enjoy the things that you're doing, and, and having that uh, you know having a good time with her was part of it, and it was part of uh, of uh, um, uh, of uh, you know uh, getting the the, the 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 desire to 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 work and to work better all the time, to work harder all the time. One of my favorite things about having the chance to interview a legend like Andres Gomez is to hear about and to experience his own unique passion for the sport. He would drop names like Laver, Rosewall, Nastasi, how he played doubles with Nastasi at Rome. And some of his stories are just so cool. And it was especially cool to hear him talk about how he looked up to the pros when he was a young player just learning the game. He wanted Ecuador. to know how much they play, where they play, who they play. And, I, and that was only to be done by magazines. So we... With my friends, we were, you know, just getting a whole of this, you know, world tennis and and uh, and um, Argentinian tennis magazines that were coming to uh, to the club, and we were kind of like waiting on the door for the mailman to the de- to deliver them, and you know, and getting getting a hand on them before they were going to the uh, to the general manager's office because once they got in there, you know, we 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 weren't sure if we were gonna get it, so. Um, and uh, and uh, so the time um, we read a lot, we read a lot, and uh, and, uh, and you know, and I had my the guys that I wanted to follow. Uh, uh, you know, I had a board, uh, had a, a poster of Borg on my on my room. Gomez told me some great stories about his days training with the legendary Harry Hopman, and these are some of my favorite moments. I'll let you listen in on a, a little bit of our conversation about that subject. But it wasn't really. Till the time I got to uh, to Hopman's uh, and start spending time with him, that is, I started knowing a lot more about. Uh, I knew about Labor and Rosewell, but uh, uh, not too much. And then, he, and then Hopman, you know, starts, you know, telling me stories about him and and them, and then uh, and Emerson and Liu Hode and uh, and Hopman loved Hode and and, and 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 actually I never saw him play, but. Uh, I started reading a lot about him, just seeing some of the scenes that he did, and uh, um, Roach and 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 Newcomb, Stolian, and 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 then just four years later, I was you know friends with these guys, and it was it was it was amazing, and uh, and um, and also uh, uh, we were playing uh, some exhibitions in the Caribbean with uh, with Panata and Ili Nastasi and 
and uh, and Pecci and uh, you know and Anastasi always you know you know he 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 talked to me a lot and uh, and uh, probably that's why a little bit of a temper uh, too when uh, <laughs> when I was a little younger and. Um, and I started following, him. and then you know, I ended up playing doubles with him at the at the in Rome, and uh, you know, things like that. And uh, I always, uh, uh, you know, follow the stories of Segura and Gonzalez and Kramer and Butch and and some of the some of the you know, or, or, or some of the great women like uh, Maria Sterbueno and. Uh, uh, you know the ones from South America. So uh, because I got a chance to see them whenever I came to play the junior tournaments, and uh, they they were always there. So it was a, uh, um, you know, if I want to be like them, uh, I, I needed to to learn how how they went at it. You know, uh, and uh, and they were rituals. When he was young. Gomez got to go over to Florida and train at Hopman's Academy along with Raul Viver and Ricardo Icaza, the other Ecuadorians. And uh, as Viver tells me, they um, enjoyed themselves quite a bit. We, we were all like, uh, I felt like uh, Mr. Hopman took us like under his wing, the, the three of us. He was like, for some reason, he liked the Ecuadorians. He would always uh, try to to help us, to push us, to... He would invite us to, to have dinner with him and his wife. Many pros were there. Uh, one pro that we used to practice a lot when we went, when he was there was Vitas Gerulaitis. So that was unbelievable for us being 17, 16, 17 to, to practice. He was like three in the world. And he, yeah, and he was a great guy, always. Always helping with hard worker, so it was a good example, a good motivation for us. That, that was one of the top players that they had: uh, Peter McNamara, Paul Magnamy, Chris Lutz. Guayaquil, Florida, Paris, France. They all, in a strange, beautiful way are connected. The tennis journey takes Andres Gomez all over the world. He battles it out on tour. He's unable to win a Grand Slam, but he's a hell of a player. He's the best that Ecuador has ever seen. And then, in 1990, the magic finally happens. Everything congeals. All the tennis, all the experience, the marriage to his wife, the young child. It all happens for him. And he takes out Andre Agassi, he raises that trophy, and he's a champion for life. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, it's, when, 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 when you see it at the time, you know, kind of like he uh, uh, said on the paper, um, uh, this is more when, when, like uh, when I went to the press conference, said that uh, this is more of a sunrise than a than a than a, than a, a sunset. And, uh, but uh, with the years passing by, it, it was probably a sunset for uh, for my you know ATP career, but it became a, a sunrise for the rest of my life.
yeah my dad definitely is a national hero sporting hero here in ecuador everybody knows about him and his career especially uh that moment when he won uh the french open yeah of course very proud proud uh, happy because like i told you he's he's my friend he he had been my friend almost all my life uh, uh teammate many many times and of course i was very happy with the with the win it was i felt it almost like like mine <laughs> you know it a little bit you know we had been through through so much together and uh, and of course very proud very proud that was a like i said that was a you they put the ecuador a little bit in the in the map the sports map in the tennis map and, and yeah definitely i think every ecuadorian was proud of andres at that time even until now because uh, people even uh, kids that didn't see him play in his prime you know they they know about all his his victories all his accomplishments so so he's definitely one a big big huge sports figure here in in ecuador just like that Andres Gomez is a sporting hero, but when you talk to him, you'd never be able to guess it. He hasn't let it go to his head, and that was one of the prevailing sentiments I got from people I spoke to, and when I actually spoke with him, this is a very humble man, a very personable and warm human being, and everybody that I spoke to agreed with me on that. Andres, it's probably one of the most uh, down-to-earth and humble persons I've ever met. Uh, because, uh, like, I, like, I, like I always tell people, uh, you, uh, like people, friends that we speak here in Ecuador, they say, no, Andres was a top player in the world. He was this, he was that. And I say, uh, yes, but for me you know being being also a professional tennis player and making it to the top 10 and i say okay i won five titles but looking at andrew's career and knowing how difficult it is to be on the tour you know and uh, to won 21 titles i think he was he won in singles and 30 something in doubles it's just crazy i mean it's it's, it's more than crazy so for all that all that he had achieved uh, when, when when you you bump him to him in the club or or anywhere He's, uh, he's very well educated, always saying hello, always saying goodbye, always with a smile. I mean, uh, he's not khaki at all. Uh, he always, uh, for me, he's always, he's always been there. And, uh, and now with the new generations, he's still uh, uh, trying to, to give his, uh, his best for the new kids to come up and play tennis in the country. So... It's really, it's really amazing to have someone like that, to be that close and to have him in the same city. And I'm sure the people felt that from him, that through what reporters would have been saying in that, in that country, but they knew he was a pretty special, congenial guy who, who didn't, who was, who was 
appreciated for his integrity by by his colleagues, and he comported himself well on the court, and he had he had a lot going for him. An understated guy. I mean, just just he had a lot of virtues as a human being that I that I'm sure they they were aware of. So not only did they have one of their own winning it, but they had an exemplary individual. And I think he was such a likable, you know, and I think so many players, you know, I'm one year uh, younger than him. A lot of guys really felt good for him that, that he, that he came, that he came through that tournament. After he won the title in Paris, Gomez went back to the States and was practicing on grass in Florida, but he got a call that he needed to get back to Ecuador and celebrate. He needed to meet the president. He needed to take part in parades and parties, and he did all that. And he said it crushed him for Wimbledon, but he wouldn't have it any other way. And then two days later, I went finally to Quito to see the president, uh, play tennis with him because he was a, he was a good tennis player when... Um, when um, on his younger days, and um, we played for a good half an hour, and they uh, went to the uh, presidential palace. Uh, we had a, a lunch with uh, people of my family, sportsmen, and uh, different kind of guys. So it was a, so it was a very nice thing. You know that saying, "Nice guys finish last." Well, it's not true in this case because Andres Gomez made good on his one Grand Slam singles final took down Andre Agassi and got it done for Ecuador. It's a great story. And even though Gomez isn't going to be able to get out to Paris to celebrate this year, he promises he'll be back soon. We're going to be back. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nice um, that it's the 30th year, but it really it don't matter whether it's the 22 or the uh, 13 or or 7 it's uh, it's just for me going there it's uh, it's always magical and if you're out at Roland Garros and you're looking for Andres head over to court Philippe Chatrier that's probably where he'll be when i go to to the french i'm not in paris until i see the court so thank you for listening to deep dives i hope you enjoyed diving deep into the triumph of Andres Gomez and Roland Garros in 1990.